Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We've been journeying through for the past months. James talking about the fact of practical Christianity. James is focusing on how do you practically live this Christian life. Last few weeks been focusing on the matter of prayer and all those things he says, the priority of prayer in our lives. And he closes out his letter, he closes out this book with probably some of the most serious words that he speaks, some of the greatest warnings that he would have. So today I would say this, you need to put on your big boy britches because this is going to be tough, okay? You need to get ready because this is going to challenge your heart and challenge your life regarding what James is saying about how we live and the warning that he gives about this matter of living. Listen to what it says in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Listen carefully. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me read that again. All right, let's do what it says. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I hope you leave your Bibles open as we look at this passage today. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would open our hearts and our minds to understand this important part of the book of James. A warning to us as believers, but also a calling to us as believers regarding ministering to one another, caring for one another, and laying our lives on the line for one another. I pray that you help us to have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and lives that would receive it and be transformed by it. And we'll praise you in the midst of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, you remember, we focused on the importance of confessing our sins to one another. God said it's important for us to confess our sins. When we sin against somebody, we need to confess that and make that right. Because one of the things that James is focusing on and one of the things that the Word of God, especially in the New Testament, is focused on is how do you maintain a close fellowship with God? How do you maintain a close fellowship with one another? How do you do that? And that it's important to stay close to God and to stay close to one another. That brings him to this passage here where he speaks a word to the church. Notice what it says there in verse number 19. My brethren... In other words, this word that he's about to speak is not a word to that lost person. It's not a word to that that person who is outside the family of God, outside the kingdom of God, who's living in this lost world. This message that he's about to speak on both sides of this message is towards the family of God. He's saying that there's a situation that can happen in the family of God and there's a ministry that needs to take place in the family of God. And whether you be on one side or the other side, we all are in the family of God and we have a responsibility about that. Now, what is that situation? He says, my brethren, here is the situation. 
If anyone among you, remember among you, part of the family, if anyone among you strays from the truth. Here's the situation that in the family of God, those who are not lost but saved, they're part of the family of God. But in their journey, as we journey along, they find themselves straying away from the truth of God. Straying away from what the Word of God tells and how they ought to be living. That can be a warning to you and me because it tells us this. You can be a part of the family of God and you can still stray from the truth and sin, right? You can still be in error and be away from and out of fellowship with God. That's a warning to us. But it also pricks our heart that we have a ministry because... Our brothers and sisters who love Jesus, who are saved by Jesus, who are transformed by him, there is the possibility that as they journey through life, they can stray. I've strayed before. Have you ever strayed before? Well, we can stray away. Matter of fact, Jesus addressed that matter of straying in in a number of passages. One of those passages is Luke chapter 15. Just write that down in your notes in Luke chapter 15. Remember what Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15? He talks about the lost sheep. The lost sheep. There were 99 in the fold, and there was one who had lost or who had strayed away. And that word strayed there in the fact of the 90 and 9 and 1, that's not talking about a lost person. I know you heard messages preached about that, the lost person who needs to get saved. It'd be wonderful if 99 of the world were saved and only one was lost. Amen? But that's not the percentage that happens there. He's not talking about this. He's not really talking about those people who are lost getting saved. He's talking about the family of God. You became a sheep. You're not a goat. You're a sheep in his pasture. Amen? But in those 90 and 9 who are there and they're, they're in fellowship, there's one who strayed away. And that passage in Greek gives you the idea that this little sheep was so busy eating and taking care of the normal things of life that he or she was not paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing and they look up one time and everybody else is gone and they don't know where they are they're lost you know that can happen to us spiritually can't we we didn't intend to get lost we didn't intend to stray but we can be so busy with our heads down making a living We can be so busy in life with our heads down, we can look up sometime and everybody else has left and we don't know where we are spiritually. So there is a way that we can stray and we don't really intentionally stray. We just find ourselves not where we ought to be. But there's also another story in that Luke 15 and it's a story about the prodigal son. What's the difference of the prodigal son? He chose intentionally to get lost, didn't he? Remember his story, don't you? Now, once again, it's not about a lost person. It's a saved person. You are in the family. You are a son or daughter of God. You've been into that family. So this is about that child of God who thinks that they know better than what God knows. And they decide they want to go. And and they go thinking they're going to be real successful. I'm sure when he left, the prodigal son thought he'd go to the far country, become a multimillionaire, and come back and tell dad, look what all I did with what you gave me. Is that what happened to him? Nope. Whenever he left and went to the far country, he wasted everything, ended up poor, Finds himself in a hog pen, longing to eat what they desire, what they're eating, and he can't even have that. They restrict him from that. And he finally comes to his senses and he goes back home and he makes that speech Dad, I don't deserve to be your son. Can I just be a servant? Because your servants live a whole lot better than I do. But we find out that the father embraces him and cares for him. Well, in that situation, he strayed intentionally. He straight intentionally, he just thought he knew best and he decided, he had, he had a choice to make. He decided, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to do that. 
and he finds out that he is in a mess. So some people will stray like the sheep, not really intending to. They find themselves away from where God wants to be. Somebody else just decides, I'm going to do it my way. I think I know the right way. And whenever you do that, you find yourself in the far country away from God. Then you find in Luke chapter 22, write that down. In Luke 22, you find another story of somebody who's going to stray away. You remember who that was? It's Peter. It was Jesus coming to Peter right before all of the, all the events are going to happen at the Garden of Gethsemane and the denial and all this. You remember what he came to Peter? He says, Peter, Satan has asked permission to buffet you. <laughs> he, he's, asked, he's asked permission to sift you like wheat. And that's been granted. But I have prayed for you so that whenever you return from your strain, right? When you return from your strain, that you might strengthen your brothers. It tells us that sometimes people stray because, in Peter's case, he went through a spiritual attack. He went through hardship and difficulty, and the old devil is beating upon him, and and he denies Jesus three times when he said he wouldn't. In the midst of that spiritual battle, he looks up and he finds himself away from God. In other words, there's all kinds of ways you can stray. You can do it unintentionally. You can do it intentionally. You can do it in the midst of spiritual battles. But the reality of it is, even though you're a child of God, if you're not careful and you're in the family of God, if you're not careful, you can find yourself straying. Straying. Straying from what? Look look there in that verse 19. My brethren, if any among you, here it is, strays from the truth. You find yourself straying from the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth is the Word of God. Amen? That's the truth. That's the guide where we live by. It's the plumb line that we measure things by. It's the Word of God. And we ought to always love the Word of God. We ought to always read the Word of God. We ought to memorize, meditate the Word of God. But we also need to apply the Word of God. Amen? And we need to do the Word of God. And every child of God is expected to know the Word of God, to live by the Word of God, and to let the truth of God be its guide. But we can find ourselves straying from that. You ever find yourself get too busy and you don't have time to read the Word? You ever find yourself a week and go by and you don't even know where your Bible is before you go to church the next Sunday? You ever find yourself that that week you didn't apply one thing, you didn't learn one thing, you didn't know one thing more about the Word of God than what, than what you did the week before? You ever find that, you, that what you do know in the Word of God, that you know it and it's in your heart, it's in your mind, but you're not doing it? You ever find yourself there? And so you can stray from the truth of the Word of God. It says, even a child of God, saved, redeemed, headed for heaven, If you're not careful, you can find yourself straying from the truth. And whenever you find yourself straying from the Word of God, you know who else you're going to find yourself straying from? The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Who's that? That's Jesus. See, when you find yourself away from the Word of God that is our guide to our fellowship with God, when we do that, we'll find ourselves walking away from Jesus. We're just not as close as we were to Jesus. We're not talking to Him like we were talking to Him. We're not fellowship with Him. We don't sense His Spirit leading our life. We don't realize His hand upon us. We find ourselves straying from that truth, the Word of God and fellowship with Jesus. Well, what he describes here is that situation. 
There's someone in the fellowship, there's someone in that family, that local church, someone there who has either gotten so busy they've not paid attention, they've intentionally made choices, they've been under spiritual attack, but whatever happens in regard to that, they find themselves strained from the Word of God and strained from fellowship with Jesus. They're all a part of the family of God, but the situation is they're out of fellowship with God. They have strayed from the truth. And that is potential for every one of us. That's a warning, all right? That is a warning to every one of us. That can happen to you. It can happen to me. We do not need to be strayed. But here's the calling. That's the situation. Somebody in the fellowship has strayed away. Here's the calling. The calling is that every one of us have responsibility for every one of us. Did you hear that? Every one of us have responsibility for every one of us. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, yes, you are. Bless your heart. Yes, we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in love with one another. We care about each other. So he says, brethren, if you find that someone has strayed away from the truth, you have a calling. And what is that calling? That calling is to go get them. Your calling is to minister to them and care for them. So let's take those three stories of Jesus and apply that. If we know that there's a brother or sister who is that lost sheep who strayed away and they can't find their way back, then we're called to what? Go find them. We're called to go find them. Amen? If we find that one of our brothers or sisters is like the prodigal who's made the wrong decision and thinks they know better than what God knows, they find themselves strayed away, we need to be like the example of the father there. And what it is, we're forgiving We're forgiving and and we're willing to receive them back and we joyfully and gratefully take them back. We don't hold them at arm's length. We accept them. And then if we find that one of our brothers and sisters has gone through spiritual attack and they're like Peter and they find themselves, they've denied the Lord and what are they going to do? What did Jesus do? He humbly, in all humility, he receives Peter back, restores Peter back. And we need to restore them back because in humility, we need to realize this, that that could be me, save the grace of God. Amen? There's not one thing any person does that we couldn't find ourselves in except for the grace of God. And our calling is that we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to place our lives on the line. And it says we're supposed to lay our lives on the line in regard to returning that one who strayed. Listen to what it says in verse 20. Don't miss this. Let him, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way. You hear, you hear what the picture is? Now that sinner is that, is that brother or sister. You mean, you mean we, we brothers and sisters and family are sinners? Oh, yes. Every day. Every day we sin, don't we? We constantly stand in need of the the grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. Every one of us sin. But it's talking about that one who strayed away, that one who sinned. You know what it says? It says, they must be, listen now, they must be there 
and turn a sinner from the error of his way. I don't know if any of you have ever raised large farm animals, whether it be a horse or whether it be a cow or something like that. I mean, you know, it's one thing to raise a dog. I mean, a dog, you're not really worried about a dog running over you too much. You know, some of you big dogs might run over you, but little dogs, you're not worried about that. But if you've ever raised a, a large farm animal and you have to tell them where to go or direct them where to go, you know exactly what that's talking about when it says that you need to turn them from the era of their way. It's pretty intimidating whenever you're standing there and you're wanting a cow to go that way and she's wanting to come this way and you got to stand there in the front of her and she weighs about 2,000 pounds and she's coming at you at full speed and you've got to stand there to make her turn, to make her go where she's supposed to go. That's pretty intimidating when you see that big animal coming at you. Do you know that? But that's no more intimidating than standing before a brother or sister who sinned and having to help them turn their way. Matter of fact, if you, you think about it, I've had both those experiences. I think I'd just soon stand in front of the cow. Because it's tough when you've got to confront a brother or sister. It's tough when you've got to talk to them about something. Help them to understand the error of their way, especially if they don't think they've got an error of their way. Especially if they've made that decision to be there. Especially if they're hurt and they're wounded. Especially if they're bitter in their spirit, it's tough to stand there. But it says we must stand there. We must stand there in order to turn them. I don't know about you, but one of the funniest things that you ever watch is you ever you ever seen cow dogs? You know you know what a cow dog is? Not a dog looks like a cow. You know what a cow dog is for you city people? A cow dog is a dog that's specifically trained to work cattle. To work cattle. They'll, they'll make the cows go where you want, want them to go. And they'll put them in whatever pen. It's just an amazing thing to watch that happen. But traditionally in, in, in cow dogs, there, there, are two, there are two types of cow dogs. There's a header and there's a healer. Did y'all know that? I'm teaching y'all something. You know, write this down. Y'all get, this might be a trivia question you need sometime. There's a header and there's a healer. And what in the world does a header and a healer make? Well, they work in tandem with each other. One of them gets out in front. And she's going to nip at their, at their nose, and she's going to get them to try to follow her. And she's going to keep them at bay on that, while the other one's back there biting on her heels. One behind, one in front. And those dogs will work in tandem to the point that they can put a cow, no matter how big she is, no matter how mean she thinks she is, they can put a cow wherever they want to put her because they know how to head and they know how to heal. Well, you know, that's kind of what... That's why, kind of what a good example of what God wants us to be like towards our brothers and sisters. Amen? He wants us to care enough that some of us have to be the headers and some of us have to be the healers. But we're helping our brother and sister know where they need to go. Know where there's a safe haven. Know where there's blessings for them in life. And it takes great courage to nip it at, 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 a, at a cow's nose. and takes great courage for them to bite on the heel because they can get kicked very easily. But those little dogs will work and work and work in order to fulfill the purpose of their master. Where does their master, where does their master want that cow to be? Well, that's exactly what we're supposed to be in relationship to the family of God. Our master wants the children of God to be somewhere. Amen? And we ought to be willing to do whatever our part is. We might get kicked sometimes. We might get run over sometimes. But that's okay. Because in the family of God, we're supposed to care enough 
to be willing to turn that person from the error of their way. Takes great courage. But that's the calling. That's the calling. We're supposed to love each other that much. Before we go any further, you think about that. Do you know some brother or sister? you know some friend, some family member who names the name of Christ, who loves Jesus, has loved him in the past? But right now, where they are, they have strayed from the truth. They're not following Jesus. They're not involved in some church. They're not involved in ministry. They're, not, they're just straying from the truth right now. And what we do is we, we just kind of mark them off and say, well, maybe one day they'll come. Maybe one day there'll be revival. That is not what God called us to do. God called us to be involved in their life and to pay whatever price we have to pay in order to see them restored. In order to see them be where the master wants them to be. Now, what, what's the great importance of this? Say, what, is, what does it matter? It matters so very much. Don't miss it in verse 20. Listen. Let him or her know that he who turns a sinner, that brother or sister who's strayed away, who, who, that sinner from the era of his way, listen, here, here's two things going to happen, will save his soul from death. And the second thing, and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, this is where it gets, it gets hard. This is where it really gets difficult. This is where it really challenges us. I believe what James is teaching here is that there is a time and there is something called a sin unto death. Now, this sin unto death is not talking about a lost person. You know, if a lost person lives ungodly, a lost person is supposed to live ungodly. You know why? Because they are ungodly. I don't know why we expect lost people to live like saved people. They're not saved people. They're lost people. You shouldn't be shocked at whatever a lost person does because they're left to themselves and the old enemy can do whatever he wants to with them, deceive them in every, every way. I'm here to tell you the most hopeless position in all the world is to be a lost person. You don't have the Son of God. You don't have the Lord Jesus in your life. You don't have any power to overcome the enemy. And you're out there living in the world. Whatever you do ungodly, you're supposed to be ungodly because you are ungodly. But not children of God. When you get saved, you're supposed to be different. When you get saved, you're supposed to take on the character of the one who saved you. When you get saved and have a relationship with with God, He expects you to live and to walk and to be like the family of God. Amen? The great expectation for us is to be like Jesus. Therefore, whenever we're saved, whenever we know Jesus Christ, whenever we have him as Lord and Savior in our life, whenever that is happening within us, we shouldn't be straying from the truth. We should be walking in the truth. But if we do stray from the truth, we place ourselves as children of God in danger. A lost person, it's not a warning to a lost person. 
This is a warning to a believer. We place ourselves in danger because if we stray from the truth and we walk in the error of our ways and we're not pleasing to the Lord and we bring shame on the name of Christ, then you actually can sin what is called a sin unto death. That means that you've committed sin and you've gone so far away from God that God literally takes you out of this world. Not taking you out of the world that you would be punished eternally in hell. But taking you out of the world that you would go to your heavenly home, that you would go to your eternal reward. But taking you out of this world so that you would no longer bring shame on the name of Christ. Think about that. Think about that. That a child of God... Living and straying away from God could be in the point of danger of their life. Danger that they will face death because of their sin. Now, let's talk about that a minute. Because I know it just throws questions up in your mind. All right, you got questions? I hope you got questions when I just made that statement. I hope it throws questions up in your mind. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Here's one question. Can, can it really be true that decisions and lifestyles dictate the length of life? All right? Is, is that really true? Or, or, do we, or do we say, well, God has numbered my days and I'm going to live how many days the Lord would have me live. And he set those days out there and it doesn't matter how I live, whatever. I'm just going to live those number of days. Does, does the length of life, can it really be affected by decisions that you make? The answer to that is Yes. Absolutely. Let me show you a couple, just a couple of things. Hold your hand here for a minute and go to Exodus chapter 20. You know what you find in Exodus chapter 20? What do you find? What's found in Exodus chapter 20? Ten commandments. So let's go to the Ten Commandments. Isn't it interesting that number that one of the commandments found in verse 12 says this? Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. It's the first command with a promise, with a statement regarding it. said, what? Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged or your days may be lengthened in the land. In other words, if you want to have longer days, you're supposed to what? Honor your father and your mother. Is that the word of God? Yes, that's the word of God. It's the Ten Commandments. Yes, it's the Ten Commandments. You think it's truth? Yes, it's truth. And he said that that decision determines about length of life. Let me show you something else. Turn to one of the Proverbs where Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. That's what it says. The fear of the Lord prolongs life. It's pretty clear, isn't it? The fear or reverence of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. He said again, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. There are many, many of those passages in the Word of God. But right there, based on the Word of God, it tells us this, that your life and the length of your life can be and will be determined by your behavior, by your relationship, by what you do in relationship to God. 
Right? Get that in your heart and in your mind. Certainly God knows how long you're going to live because God knows everything. Amen? And he knows what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. He knows all of those things about it. But the reality of it is that does not negate the fact that your length of life can be determined by how you choose to live. And here in James, he says that if you choose to stray away from the truth and you're a child of God and you're living in that sin, that there can be a point that you can die. That you can die because of your life. You can die because of your life. Well, here's the second question. When does a person commit the sin unto death? When does that? I don't want you to leave here. I don't want you to leave here. So, oh, boy. I wonder if I've done it. I wonder if I've done it. Let me tell you something about it. If you're worried about it, you usually haven't done it. Amen? If you're worried about it and the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, you really hadn't gone that far. I had a little lady call me in one of my churches. She always called me. She never would tell me her name, but she called me about 2 o'clock in the morning. Periodically, she called me 2 o'clock. She never would tell me her name, but her constant fear is she, she felt like she had committed the unpardonable sin. We talked for hours about the unpardonable sin. And I told her the same thing. If you think you've committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't. Because if you committed it, you won't care. It won't matter to you, okay? So I'm not wanting you to leave here and wonder, oh, no, have I done it? Oh, no, have I done it? That's not, what I, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to know there's the reality of you for that for you and for anybody else in the family of God. This is the family of God we're talking about, all right? The family of God we're talking about. So when does a person do it? Here's some truths about it. Only God knows. Only God knows that, right? Only the Lord would know if that person has committed that sin. Only God sets that date. Not me, not you, not anybody else. We know that God is full of grace and mercy and patience. Aren't you glad? If God wasn't full of mercy, grace, and patience, we'd all be in glory by now. So we know that he is, and we're thankful for that. But we also know that he is the one who establishes that day. And he also knows our future. For see, what I believe is this. I I believe it's not the fact that God watches what we're doing right now. I believe God knows what we're going to do down the road. And I personally believe this with all my heart. I believe if that person is straying right now, but down the road, God sees where that person is going to be gloriously restored and useful in the kingdom. I don't believe that God's going to take them out. But. If he also sees in the future and knows that this child of his who strayed for him is not going to return and not going to walk honoring to him, but rather is going to bring judgment in his life and he's going to hinder the kingdom of God, it is the grace and mercy of God that God would take that person and take them home. If they're not going to return. But only God knows that. I don't know if a person is going to return or not. You don't know if a person is going to return or not. They can be the hardest person in the world. They can be the most wounded person in the world. And God can restore them. You don't know. I don't know. But God knows. God knows. And God is the one who determines. God is the one who sets that day. God is the one who But it does happen. It does happen. In my ministry, in my life, I've had experiences where I believe that people have committed sin 
unto death. I, I performed those funerals. And, and in my spirit, I believe that that person has done that. And, and, and in regard to that, that's the mercy and grace of God that God would take that person home. I had a dear relative of mine that I loved so greatly. I loved so greatly. And whenever I was called or I was going to do the funeral, and I knew where that person had been and how they had lived and where they were headed, God spoke to my spirit and he said, they wouldn't let me meet their need while they were here. So I'm taking them home to meet their need there. See, it's not that God doesn't love that person. God loves that person, but he also wants to protect his family. Protect his family. And so what he says there is, is that if we know somebody who's walking in the error of their ways, and they're straight from the truth, and, and they continue to walk that way, they're in a place of danger. They're in a place of danger. We need to go and try to restore them. We need to go and help them. I want somebody to come help me. I want somebody to help me if, if I'm there. I want somebody to come find me. I want somebody to stand in the gap for me. I want somebody to turn me from the error of my ways. I want somebody to care enough about me. Do we care enough about them? Listen to what, listen to these, these sweet words. These are some of the sweetest words in all the Bible, these next words. Listen. Turn a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death. Now, that's not talking about eternal death. Remember, that's talking about death in this world, not eternal death. Listen. And if that person returns and will cover a multitude of sins, will cover a multitude of sins. If we can help that person to come and to be restored It says that God is willing to cover their sins. Now, here's the reality. When you got saved, when Jesus died on the cross for you, he paid the price for your sin totally and absolutely. Amen? In other words, the reason you get to go to heaven is because he took away your sin. But he also helped us to understand that as we sin, we need to confess our sin before God. In other words, he's forgiven us of all sin, but we're supposed to confess our sin. When I sin today, I'm supposed to confess it. That means to agree with God. We talked about that last week. God, I'm sorry that what I did was sin. I agree with you that that's sin, and I'm sorry about that. And thank you that Jesus died on the cross to forgive me of that sin. But to maintain fellowship, I have to confess my sin to God. I have to do that. And what happens is, as I take that sin and and I acknowledge to God, God, this is sin in my heart and life, then the blood of Jesus cleanses that to the point that I have restored fellowship with God. The joy of the Lord, the presence of God, the Spirit being filling my life. All of that happens because I, I take that sin and I place it before Christ and He washes it and makes me whole again. Amen? Well, that's what it says here. It says, if you can help a brother or a sister and help them to know that they're in the error of their ways and they will return, it doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter where they went. It doesn't matter how far they've strayed. Jesus will wash away the multitude of sins. Capital, I mean, uh, S-I-N. S, sins. What's the difference between sin and sins? Not plural. Sin is the nature of sin. Sins are the activity of sin. And the reason we stray 
is because the activities of our life are sin, missing the mark. And whenever we bring that person, that person restored, or whenever somebody helps us to be restored, we come before the Lord, and the Lord says all of that thoughts and attitudes you had and all those actions you had and all that stuff that you did that caused you to stray, that caused you to miss out on who I am and what I want you to be, I forgive you. I cleanse you. Place it under the blood of Christ. And isn't it great to know that there's no sin so great that Jesus won't forgive it? There's no joy and peace like the joy and peace of having a right fellowship, sweet fellowship with God. If you've never known that, you need to know that. You need to experience that once in your life. If you don't know what it is to have the peace of God in your life and to be forgiven of your sin, you need to do that today. You need to give that to Jesus today, all right? But child of God, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? Are you bearing the sin of your life? Are are you straying from the truth? Do you you need him to cleanse you and confess it and let him do what only he can do? That's, That's a wonderful experience. But when you're there... Do you care about your brother or sister enough to help them? To protect them from the sin unto death and to allow them to experience the peace of God by being cleansed afresh by the blood of God? Do you you love them enough? See, this matter of being a part of God's family is serious business. It really is. It's very serious to God. And and James was saying that, listen, brothers, as we journey together and somebody strays, we don't let them just go. We go minister to them. We go call them back. We'll stand in front of them if we have to. We'll turn them if we need to. We'll do whatever we have to do in order for them to be safe in life, in order for them to have the abundance of life. That's what we want them to experience. Do you care about somebody that much? That's practical Christianity. That's what it means to be a practical Christian. To live our lives in close fellowship and relationship with one another. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website, at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.